Hello and welcome to the iGen UK podcast. We're doing it in the studio for the first time in like two and a half years. I know. And the studio's completely different now. I know, it's a brand new studio, brand new mics, like... We're not sure if this is going to sound great, because we haven't really done a lot of tests, and we probably should, but I'm sure it'll be fine. If Dale's done his fucking job. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if Dale's still listening, because we got rid of the window where I can see people react from the producers. I think he is, and I think he's probably very angry now. (laughs) Uh, Matt Perza, how are you? I'm all right, thank you. I trust Dale to do his job. So do I. you little (laughs) suck-ups. Have a go at him. No, I will not. It's taken two and a half years to get here, Dale. What are you playing at? He's been very helpful. Um, technically, it's not even Dell's job to look after the studio. Anymore. No, I know. So that's why it's even funnier to throw <laughs> it at his face. Um, last week was Gamescom. We've still got things to talk about from Gamescom because we saw a lot of stuff after I dropped the chocolate. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> BCD before chocolate drop. Yeah. Um, let's go through a few of those. Um, but first. It's been a long time coming. We've been working on Gotham Knight stuff for a month now, Joe. Well, we saw it. Almost what a month and a half, two months we ago. Did didn't actually get to play any of it, but God, yeah. we've seen we've seen a lot of it, and I'm I've still got mixed thoughts about this game. But mm. you know, I'm still I'm definitely more hopeful about it than when I hadn't seen what we'd seen. My feelings on it are very split, um, and we do have yeah, like you said, we have to couch a lot of what we say in the fact that we haven't actually played it, but um, or had hands on with it in the kind of traditional sense. We flew our merry little asses over to Montreal to have a look at. Have a look at the Bat Family in action. Ooh, we, yeah. we did watch hours of the game being played live in front of us. So we have we have a sense of it, but obviously those are controlled conditions. Um, and we've been, we've been open with that in our preview that went up uh, this week. And what we have more than we did when we went in is a good sense of like the structure of this game. It's hard to tell how it feels. It looks heavier. It do- and, you know, people are inevitably going to compare it to Arkham, uh, the Arkham series. It doesn't look like it plays like those games. Like, it looks a lot more... I saw someone describe it as, like, a better thought-out Avengers. And, mm. and that actually kind of does the job for me. If Because, obviously, it's very easy to throw a lot of shit Avengers' way. But the thing we talked about, and you've attested to by playing <laughs> fucking 150 hours of that game, is that it does actually feel good moment to moment. Like, yeah, they've, they designed their heroes well. And, like, yeah, like I said, we don't really know yet if... Gotham Knights has done that. No, but, but Avengers has a melee destiny feel yes. to it, and it looks like this is a similar vibe mm-hmm. to that, which is encouraging, if not, like, exciting yeah. for me at the moment. And it's definitely, like, an ability-based combat, which wasn't was, I think a lot of people would be, you know, inevitably going to compare it to the Arkham games, mm. which is very much a melee, like, action game. Like, there's not... In Gotham Knights, you have a lot of, like, mystical abilities and, like, tech stuff that, you know... Batman just... He doesn't really, in those games, have a whole lot of gadgets. No. Gadgets? Gadgets? Um, oh, my gadgets are falling off. But do you know what? One thing this game, I think, is doing very well is its Batman setting. setting. Yeah. yeah. The city itself looks great. There's We've gone through... Uh, I think the best feature is probably the one about the 400 years of Gotham. Our favourite, definitely. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they've really thought about. It. You can tell speaking to that team, they love Batman and they love all these characters, and I think they're doing that part of it very well. So I'm, I think even if the combat isn't top tier, I think the story and the setting will carry you through. I think they're going to tell a good Batman Court of Owl story. It's a totally open world that's been built based on the tenets of canon Gotham with their own spins on it. And you speak to anyone in that studio, and they are. 
They feel obsessed. Whether they were before they started developing or not, I'm not actually sure. But they all feel obsessed with Batman storylines now. Mm. And you speak to like the people who came up with the history for that city. You speak to the art directors who got who commissioned freelance artists across the world to make superhero suits on different designs based on that timeline that they created. You you talk to the creative director who is just like unbelievably knowledgeable about well every facet of that game, but particularly how it's like fitting together a Batman RPG story arc. And like you say, the other thing I really liked and that we haven't had much of a chance to make of in our pieces is yes this is a game where you play as four different characters and yes it's a play a game where you can play with two with another person but the idea behind their systems is that one of those four people will become the inheritor of batman's Mm -hmm. mantle like one of them is going to become the dark knight that won't necessarily like you'll get them all to the same level but i i don't know whether there's a choice at the end of the game or whether this is more like a sort of philosophy guiding it. But I love the idea that you're finding your Batman replacement and working out how they become a unique new yeah. unique new dark knight. That's the uh, that's the old uh, tongue twister that people go for. Um and uh, and I love that feeling. And I think they really have a sense of of what they're going for. And as you've pointed out, like the mystical stuff, the more we see of this game, the weirder it looks. Like they've got a properly bonkers clay face like really strange out there comic book stuff. It doesn't feel like the Arkham games in as much as those games are quite rooted in like grubbiness and like when things go crazy, they're based on science. It tends to be like, there's not a lot of like weird woohoo bullshit. Mm-hmm. And this has some of that like proper comic book madness. And I'm I'm into that. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how far they go with those things. Yeah, I think I'm going to have a great time with it. It's why I'm predicting. I, like, even if it's not amazing moment to moment, I think, as you say, I think exploring that place, seeing the world they've built, I think will be really exciting. Mm-hmm. And they're definitely thinking about this beyond this one game. Yeah. So a new Batman universe is no bad thing. Mm-hmm. And if it's not amazing this time around, maybe it will be the next how, time. How around. are you feeling about Matt? Have you got any questions? So so the, the one thing that I've picked up from both you gents' wonderful work mm. is that I thought the 400 Years of Gotham was really cool, but the actual um, piece that really spoke to me is... Is your most recent piece the the preview? Um, because this sounds like systemic Batman game. I don't so, know if it's actually going to be as systemic mm-hmm. as maybe it comes across, but there is stuff in there where it's like it's quite uniquely structured. Yeah, this idea of the it's done in phases. There are different nights, and on those nights, different things happen, mm. and the ability to put together clues that even if they are effectively just glorified pickups that lead you one chain down uh, a mission chain but that idea of feeling like each night i'm getting closer and closer and closer to revealing who this villain is that's behind Mm -hmm. this idea or opening up a big mission that finally allows me to beat the crap out of mr freeze or something like that there's We've always kind of struggled, I think, in Batman games to find the world's greatest detective angle. Mm. You know, kind of Telltale is arguably the best at this purely because their gameplay has to revolve around that. Whereas kind of the Arkham games had good intentions there, particularly with their like investigation mode. And when, I mean, it was WB Montreal that actually introduced the concept of being able to look at crime scenes and drag a a timeline, right? Mm. Which was Arkham Origins. And the idea of kind of like, 
evolving that into the idea of like you are a detective in some sort of way in this game that builds over time like i really like that idea that really speaks to me beyond any of the kind of action game stuff that i've seen so far which like you've mentioned like i'm not really here for ability-based batman combat Mm. like i i like my superheroes to smack things in the face Mm. and you know occasionally use a different weapon rather than rely on a hot bar of like five different skills but that knowing that i get to fulfill that bat family fantasy of going out every night and a new night is a new opportunity to push forward all of these concurrent storylines sounds really really cool to me i just Mm -hmm. think it's nice the idea of like you know, all these Batman games are like set over two nights, mm-hmm. and it's nice the idea of being like, no, you're spending like a month. With it's these a career, people and right? Like good these, at this, these you know? people have made careers out of becoming superheroes, yeah. and the idea that it's now almost like their promotion drive. Yeah. Like this is like I'm going to work every night to prove that I'm the person that can take on the role. <laughs> They're doing crunch. <laughs> um, yeah, no one talks about the superhero crunch industry. It's pretty oh. bad. Um, yeah, it's. I think it's it's got a lot of good ideas. How it holds together will be interesting and possibly the downfall of it. But I think there's a lot to... Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot to commend about them trying something different. Mm-hmm. Like it would be so easy to just make a, a non-Arkham Arkham game. And they didn't want to do that. And I'm I'm, I'm down with that. Yeah. That's cool. And there are no, mo- no microtransactions. Or, it's not a live service game. So they like, keep saying, yeah. yeah. So like, if it's just a... We can play it fully single player. You can play it co-op. It's just... yeah. It's what I kind of want. I think I'm going to... It's only six weeks, seven weeks away now. I think, yeah, it's actually. pretty close. So yeah, I'm going to look forward to Good playing stuff. that. Do you know what else is coming out in the near future? Against all odds, Matt Perslow, you've played a game called Dead Island 2. I have. You watched me play it. I did. You literally sat in this very studio while Ooh. I was on that very TV. So, I believe perv watching it. <laughs> it was for work. Was it eight years ago you also played Dead Island 2? Yeah, I played it eight, I played it eight years and two developers ago, uh, which is fucking bonkers. That, I think that's the only... That's got to be the longest time between preview and release in my career yeah. of anything. Unless... Um, whatchamacallit, what was the Platinum one? The Dragon one? Did you play that? Oh, well, if Scalebound comes out. I mean, yeah. even that, I think, would be shorter, because I was playing that. that I, yeah, when I yeah. saw that, that would have been later. Ooh, Wild. Exciting. But yeah. Matt... The mm-hmm. new, the new Dead Island Two, it looks very much like Dead Island to me. <laughs> it, 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 it does, yeah. yeah. This is this is the thing. Like to go in on the bum note, I suppose, is the idea of I played. What did I play? About 20, 20 minutes of it. Yeah, you yeah. played like a whole mission. Mm-hmm. So I played a whole mission, which was very much like it's set. So if you were there when that first trailer came out, that first trailer I think is still very much the guiding light for this game. Mm. It is set in Los Angeles. It is a fresh kind of zombie outbreak so the world isn't that kind of walking dead decrepit everything's broken it's still quite fresh Mm. um and this mission took us to santa monica pier where clearly very much built for a demo in the idea of like all you've got to do is get through a zombie horde turn some power on so you can ride the ferris wheel and that takes you into a boss encounter and then the mission's over like very much curated for a quick first hit of what this game is. I feel like Ferris Wheel is literally the worst thing I can imagine in a, in a zombie apocalypse. <laughs> like, why would you ever get in a Ferris Wheel? I mean, like, literally as that demo uh, explained, as I got in the Ferris Wheel, a fucking killer clown, not from outer space, mm. from beyond the grave, 
uh, turned up, and that was my boss. He fight. was horrible. Yeah, he didn't have like sharpened bones for hands. Yeah, what they've done, I, I'll give them this: that their zombie designs are really, really good. Mm. Like they are super detailed. Like I think you put a tweet out about like, how detailed the teeth are. The teeth on look great. Yeah, best teeth. So they're like really good kind of model details, but yeah, every single one of them feels like probably not uniquely disgusting, but certainly there's a good range, like a much bigger range of zombies I've ever seen in a game before. I normally hmm. see quite a lot of repeat zombie models, yeah. and this was, most of them looked reasonably unique. Weirdly, that is a point they made when I saw it eight years ago. Really? <laughs> like the Jaeger team were talking about how they had like procedural systems yeah. mm-hmm. for creating zombies that all felt distinct despite being the same class and yeah. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That's weird. So it's, it's got, so it's, it's just clear how much of it is old yeah. in, in this way that... I enjoyed what I played, but I played all the way through Dying Light 2 mm-hmm. earlier this year. Um, and then I played all of Dead Island for my sins, boy, back when. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of there's there's not that many games in this weird kind of like melee first person zombie thing. But Dead Island's the progenitor, right? And it's created kind of like these two pathways mm. with these, you know, Techland making their own stuff. And I think it feels just exactly like those games do, and I'm not entirely sure what it's offering. Is there is there a case to be made, a more optimistic case, and one that I don't believe, that um, it's been so long since the kind of pure version of Dead Island Mm -hmm. that really what this is is fulfilling the nostalgia trip of people who loved Isn't that, that exactly what Saints Row was trying to do a week ago? Yeah, but I don't think we can tar everything with the no, Saints Row brush. True, no, and what I will say is, is that I've not played Saints Row, but certainly what I see of Saints Row from a visual perspective on watching those previews and watching mm-hmm. gameplay, I'd say Saints Row looks a lot more just kind of bread and butter compared yeah. to this, which is... Yes, it's a pure... I mean, if you've got... It feels weird to say nostalgia about a game that didn't actually come out that long ago, mm. but... I mean, it's 10 it? years old. Yeah, yeah, it's about 10 years old, right? So it's got nostalgia in that it doesn't have the parkour. It's very mm. much... Like, there's not even other human factions in the game. It is literally... This is a Los Angeles that's full of zombies, and you can cut them apart in the most grotesque fucking ways mm-hmm. possible, and it is very, very good it's at that. Zombie Land, the game. Is yeah, what it yeah, is. To, and to a certain degree. Like, I did, that procedural gore system they've got did look very good. Is it what did the flesh that the flesh it's system like fully locational evisceration of s- of systemic humans or something humanoids. like that or simulated humanoids. humanoids? Yeah, like and it, they have put a huge amount of effort into that. I remember when Dead Island first came out that it was impressive that like you could set zombies on fire and their flesh would melt off their yeah. like corpses. <laughs> Like, and then you just have skeletons. This is kind of the next step in that when you set them on fire, it first burns through the clothes and then mm. it starts to burn the flesh and the flesh blisters and drops off with swords. You're getting zombie dick in this game. They're showing you zombie dick. I, I, I don't know if they're showing they zombie dick. They can't be showing I, zombie I didn't exactly dick. make that part of my, uh, that's, my research. That's the final taboo. <laughs> if you're not asking that question, what questions are you? <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, and then kind of like... You know, I, I saw a certain amount of what that gore does in that in the in the demo that I played, but their trailer particularly goes full in on. You can punch like a zombie in the face with like this meat hook device, mm-hmm. and then pull the back of their skull through the front of I their face. Like the look of and their heads off as this well. This just mm-hmm. doesn't sound nice to me. It's, it's not, but, <laughs> but it is definitely playing for the cartoony side. Of yeah, it. Like oh yeah, it's comedy. Yeah. It's full on kind of gore comedy, uh, and like, like I did enjoy it. Like it's not that I came away from this thinking. God, this still feels like mm. it's a game from eight years ago. 
but it's almost like philosophically it's a game from mm-hmm. eight years ago. It just yeah. plays better than those. And part of me is like, do I, do I still need this? Do I, but I'm probably going to play this when it comes out. It, it, it felt good to smack stuff around. It's got this kind of elemental system, which I'm a bit of a sucker for because mm. it's kind of like... Systems. Systems, right? Like I love systems. Yeah. Or... It, it's kind of... It, it's building on what Bioshock did, right? And Bioshock was like, if there was a splicer in the water and you fired a lightning bolt into the water, it would electrocute mm. them and then they'd die. It's got all of that. Like, you set things on fire, but then if you put water on it, it douses the flames out. But that water can then be used as a lightning puddle if mm. you throw a battery in it. Um, it looked like kind of the boomers because it's got it's got all those classic Left for Dead kind of zombies in it. But if the big fat chubby ones turn up and they explode all their toxic gore over, it looks like you can probably then hose it down with water. Right. And there always seems to be in a crowd a zombie that's designed to bring that to the party. So there's kind of like because it's set in Los Angeles, there's like the water supplier guy that's got the big tank of water on his you. back. So chop his legs off and you create a spill. There's a guy that, for some unknown reason, has uh, like a propane tank on his back. Mm. Like there, it feels like it's quite good, at least from the little bit I played, at making sure those elements are always in the fight. Mm-hmm. So kind of like that, I'm looking forward to. Uh, we'll see how the crafting is. I always find the crafting feels like it's really nice in concept, but it feels a bit like hard work. I'd much rather yeah. just pick mental weapons up. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, like certainly what they've done to there's still a little bit of that waggling the stick around kind of feel. First person melee is never yeah, quite as I, good as you. It hope. always just feels a bit floaty. Even just watching it, I was like, mm-hmm. I don't. I'm not saying you were bad. It's just how first person melee. It just feels like you're wafting thin air half the time, yeah. just mm-hmm. trying to look for contact contact rather than actually you know but when that contact happens i will say like it feels squelchy Mm -hmm. it's Mm. got a good idea and i didn't even realize that there was a stamina system in this until the guy was like oh yeah there is stamina because i was like i really like that you haven't put stamina in it because it means i can just be like bouncing off the walls and cutting people's heads off and doing all of this without because in dying light you're constantly out of breath and it's like no no there is a stamina system there it's just it's a bit more generous than those games that's good so that's cool like if it if it's full in kind of party mode I think it stands a chance of being mm-hmm. good. Also, yeah. just and like, it's co-operable. Which yeah, is yeah, fun. that's always good. Yeah. It's no comfort to someone who might be spending fifty to seventy quid on this mm. game, but it will be a fucking miracle if it comes out and it's half decent. Yeah. Like yeah. a game that's gone through three developers over mm-hmm. eight years. Like if they've managed to do it, then all <laughs> all power to them. Yeah. Like that isn't unexpected by itself. Mm. Why don't we talk about something I know you're you're definitely more excited for, yeah. which I believe both of you are very excited for. I didn't get the chance to see us at Gamescom, but you've both seen a game called Flintlock, and I've forgotten the subtitle. The Siege of Dawn. There we I go. Know. It's not a good subtitle. This game like popped up a few months ago. Was it in a PlayStation stream? It was in one of like the summer streams. Well, we we revealed some of it at mm-hmm. one point. Um, yeah, it's... a. Uh, it's by the people who made Ashen, which is a Souls-like, you may remember, mm-hmm. that was... Was that an Annapurna Annapurna, game? Annapurna, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, you wouldn't know it because it looks like a proper double-to-triple-A game, yeah. whereas Ashen was very much an indie take on Souls. Yeah. So I wasn't too... I wasn't really keeping an eye on this game at Same. all until Matt saw it and came back and said, "Very, these are big words, I know you may want to justify them slightly, God of War meets Elden Ring. Mm-hmm. Two of maybe the best games of all time. Yeah. Will this be one of the best games of all time, Matt? Oh, tell me now. <laughs> I mean, it might not be one of the best games of all time, but it's certainly the best game I saw at Gamescom. By like, there's there's another game that we'll talk about later that comes very close. But I fell in love with this, and I I thought I would on the premise of that 
I really like Ashen. I think they had that. It's a team that genuinely understands what makes Souls likes good. Mm. They're not a team where, you know, I, I think Lies of Peace stands a chance of being good, but what that is is a team copying what FromSoft do right down to the UI. Yep. Whereas A44, this kind of small New Zealand team, what are they, 60 people? 60, big? yeah. And probably smaller than that when they made Ashen, oh, understood what made Soulslikes good and used that DNA and made their own game with it. Mm. And this is exactly what they're doing with Flintlock. So it is an open world, as you say, kind of like double, slightly under AAA looking graphically game. So it's still very beautiful. Um almost slightly Aztec in its uh, yeah, visual. Yeah, it's a weird mix of like sort of maybe South American or Central American mm-hmm. world, but with a like Napoleonic, what, do they, it's literally Flintlock fiction, fiction, fiction yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it's like all uh, black powder pistols and melee weapons and kind of like big coats with epaulets on them. Yeah, yeah, mixed with dark magic. So it's this kind of world. It's very much a, it's not the world that, from soft have made yet but you could almost imagine them kind of like digging around in this it's kind of like the less grimy version of Bloodborne to mm. a certain degree it's it, you know it's much more colorful much more bright and lots of sunlight and... Bloodborne by Sega yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> um and so it's this open world game that you explore in a similar way to kind of like Elden Ring like there are bonfires that you go to that you create checkpoints at how how open is this world because I've seen a bit of it and it didn't look terribly open? Certainly what I've seen is a little bit more curated, but they Mm. promise that it is an open world game. Um, Ashen certainly is open world, so they've had experience with that. But again, Ashen is not open in the same way that Elden Ring is. So it's probably somewhere in between. But as they say... When, when I was talking to Derek, who's the, the game director on it, he like puts his fingers out and goes, like, if this is Elden Ring and this is God of War, we are somewhere between that. And the idea is, is that it uses all of the concepts of a Souls-like. It has quite challenging combat. It's got kind of like... Um, that the bonfire system it's got you know like enemies die and come back when you when you respawn you've got limited health you've got to you know consider all of those kind of things and bosses have multiple phases they've got huge damage you need to you know all the dodge and stuff like that but the presentation of it and its kind of central core that runs through it the storyline is much more influenced by god of war by a sony first party so um me and joe only got to see them we didn't get to see a lot of kind of the narrative side of it we weren't Mm. seeing kind of big pivotal cut scenes or how this kind of like storyline starts but we did get to see them essentially travel through an area up to a big boss and in the combat you can see where this kind of elden ring meets god of war in the yes you're doing all the things that you'd expect to do in elden ring you know the dodges the perfect parries and stuff like that but for example, when you're you have a defined main character called Nor, and when Nor parries someone, it does that God of War thing where the camera swoops in, and you get like this really cool, like almost slow motion bit where she'll pull the enemy to the ground and slam her hatchet into the side of their head. There's one where she does like a roundhouse kick and knocks an enemy out. There's there's one throwing an enemy to the floor, pulling your pistol out and shooting them in the face. It's got that level of cinema. And you know, not as glossy as Santa Monica would make because they don't have the money for it. But it's all based around that idea of making combat feel cinematic and cool as well as being challenging. So that's kind of almost the surface. But he described how like th- there is a storyline. You know, you have a predetermined character that has a story to follow. 
and there's going to be cutscenes. there's going to be all of that kind of stuff that makes you feel a little bit more kind of attached you mm-hmm. know souls games can feel a little bit impersonal to mm. a certain degree and i think the idea is is to make this feel a bit more kind yeah. of like personal a bit more cinematic you also have a magic fox who does magic oh yeah, yeah. We uh, and can teleport you through little portals. <laughs> i feel like it's also important to say like some people like maybe i used to would hear the word souls or souls i can be put off instantly mm-hmm. yeah this actually has difficulty options doesn't it it's yeah. not yeah it can be a a souls like very tough experience mm-hmm. if you want, but you can play it story mode yeah yeah there's a story mode um and then obviously you know as you just mentioned joe you have enki with you who um kind of was is atreus basically yeah. but was because it's a single player game a44 or like you you can't summon anybody in like you would in a soul so you have enki mm-hmm. as this companion that helps you and one of the things that we were shown that he can do is he's kind of crowd control in the idea of if you're fighting an enemy he can paralyze another enemy and start drawing away their health. So when you finish fighting the hard enemy you're with, you can then move on to the other one without worrying about them attacking you at the same time. Is it almost a little bit like a palico in Monster Hunter? Um, it, more useful than a palico. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, like Atreus is the right is the right vibe. Mm-hmm. Like has distinct abilities that you can activate, yeah. but will move on his own. Uh, like we should point out if this doesn't sound like we're covering the stuff that would make us exciting. It's because the dude sat us down and literally talked for about 45 minutes. We had separate (laughs) appointments and learned different stuff in those two things. He was not on a script. He was just talking flat out about systems for about 45 minutes. And it goes, there's just wild shit. Like the axe is fully upgradable. You only have one axe, but you have like multiple different ranged weapons, which can go to like being a mortar, which is insane. Nice. <laughs> like loads of magic. Every boss you fight drops a new spell for your magic to to power up. There are did he say like thirty bosses? Something like that, yeah. Obviously a mix of main path and lots of loads of side secret stuff, ones. Of which those secrets can be anything from he was like, you can start with like there's a dude on the side of the road being robbed. Very much Red Dead Redemption. But the incidental stuff works your way up to then you might find camps with bandits in that you can ambush and there might be a boss in there which is helpful but then you might find a dungeon that also has a big boss in it which is your thing but then you can go to he was talking about literally if you've done the volcano manor storyline from elden ring he was like yeah we have garrisons that have storylines that you might meet someone who comes and joins you at your camp and sits with you and tells you stories and that can lead you on a storyline that will lead you into this garrison that has its whole side plot to it yeah. that ends with a boss that will when you kill it you will get a new ability from that boss the the Elden Ring God of War thing it's it's worth making clear is not like just us going oh it's kind of like this yeah. and kind of like that they are making those comparisons like at the end of my thing he was like Elden Ring took souls likes and pushed them in a new direction and he literally said we want to build on what Elden Ring did and that's like wild confidence for a small studio I, like it. I, I love it I also like we're seeing sort of the re-emergence now of that like double A we talked about it last week with like Focus what they're doing mm-hmm. with like mm-hmm. Evil West The Plague Tale and Atlas Fall and like I, I like that we're kind of yeah we're getting these games now yeah. again but what I think is maybe the difference between A44 and what Focus are doing I think Focus you can very clearly see like it's their take on those games yeah. like Evil West is very clearly their take on God of War yeah I think A44 are, they've looked at what Souls Likes are and they're like, you know what? This is not a rule book for us to follow and just put our own kind of like our gimmick on it and also our art style and thingy. It's a framework to build upon and to flesh out. Mm. You wouldn't look at this game and go, oh, that's a Souls Like in the same way that you look at Lies of P and go, that's a Souls Like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is, you know, to a degree, kind of you could look at it and go, oh, it, 
it might be Horizon. It's even got some of its UI elements are slightly Horizon-like in the way that they're drawn, but it uses all of the good ideas that FromSoft have got and goes, you know what? These actually link really, really well with these other ideas that we've seen in Sony's first-party games and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. Obviously, me and Joe haven't had the chance to play it, so we can't say, like, does that create a really fulfilling A, combat system, and B, exploration, discovery world? Like, I can't tell you. I've watched half an hour of it and chatted to a guy for 15 minutes. Um, Has he convinced me? Pretty much yes. Like, yeah. based on what Ashen did for Soulslight, which I think is an underrated gem, I think there's a real good chance that this might be something really special. We are, we are back in the age of people being able to, like, use small budgets to do weird yeah. experimental yeah. Mm-hmm. shit on a quite, like, meaningful scale. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And even if this turns out being, like, doesn't feel that great or it doesn't kind of emerge the way you quite want it to... I just don't, from everything I've heard so far, I just don't think it's going to be anything less than at least interesting. Yeah. Which Mm -hmm. is cool. Like, we haven't had the age of being, getting big, cool, weird games for a while. When you say weird, like, they only gave us a taste, because so one of the things that you can do is you can, you know how areas don't really change in in a Souls-like, like they stay the same and every time you go to a bonfire, it just resets to what it was before. There are towns that you can go into and you can clear the undead out of the towns. And then the people that used to live there come back and they then become RPG characters that you can chat to and they give you quests. One of them is a collection of limbs that fit together and hold up a mask to create a face. And all of the, correct me if I'm wrong, Joe, all of these limbs are from people that previously in their previous life were obsessed with coffee. Yep. (laughs) And they've now come together to create a coffee-obsessed entity that will give you a quest basically to help it fulfill its coffee obsession. Apparently there are coffee shops all over this world and they'll like they're full of coffee friends. It's <laughs> it's properly weird. I'm into it. It's I, very strange. I'm I wish it. I'd mm-hmm. gone and seen it now. Hopefully we'll be able to see more of it soon. I mean we're certainly working on trying to mm-hmm. get more of it because Love it. we're we're really gonna champion it I nice. think for a, for a while. Another game you both saw, yeah, which I believe you're both excited for as well, you actually got to play this one mm-hmm. is Moonbreaker. I think we might briefly mention it last week, but Moonbreaker Correct me if I'm wrong, Matt. Is doing the game that Warhammer strangely have never done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's so it's a minute to be very, very clear off the offset. This is not a Warhammer game. No. It's not licensed. It is. Yeah. It's its own universe. But it is a a board game on your computer. So so a digital board game that uses miniatures that you start off with. You they start blank. You can paint them. I assume they probably come pre-painted as well if you don't want to. But the whole yeah. idea is is you paint your miniatures, you put together a small army of mm-hmm. 10 characters, and then you take them into a one-versus-one scenario, which is either against the AI or against another human player, and you fight to the death, basically. The way you sold this to me was it's kind of like Hearthstone, but you paint your own figures. Mm-hmm. Well, it's more, more specifically, I think, it's like it's applying the learnings of that Hearthstone had for Magic the Gathering mm. onto Warhammer. So where Magic the Gathering is this stupidly large, or at least early Hearthstone, we mm-hmm. talked a bit about this, like early, sorry, Magic the Gathering is this wild collection of rules that you have to piece together mm. as a player at this point because it's, what, 30 years down the line. Um, the And Hearthstone basically took that, simplified it, made mana a lot more easy to deal with and kind of took away some of the, the more random frustrating elements that Magic can have and streamlined that into a collectible card game that has since become its own unwieldy mess in its own way. 
this is doing that for Warhammer, where Warhammer has like massive armies and big points totals you have to deal with and big rule books. It's just taking all of that back, going, right, you can have 10 models in an army. There is a specific win condition, which is kill the big captain model in the other army, and basically kind of takes the Warhammer tabletop ideas and brings them into a small strategy game, like a skirmish strategy game. And immediate impressions is like, this will really work. Like quick 15-minute matches against AI or other people. Um, there's like a roguelike mode they talked yeah, about, mm-hmm. which is apparently very hard. Um, and just this idea of like, I'll build a tiny little group of people, I'll work on it. I'll c- So our worry with this is that it also has loot boxes like Hearthstone mm. does. Um, and that's going to be part of its monetization. It is a premium game. Um, they haven't said how much. I would guess 20 to 30 yeah. quid probably. Um so the, the the loot box stuff bothers me because Warhammer lets you choose what models you're going to have in your It's very rare that a game, a new game, comes out of loot boxes where most games are trying to get away from it. I, I'd be interested to see if they drop that at some point yeah. um, because they're going into early access and I wonder if they're going to get quite a backlash for it. Um, but the fundamentals are basically collect a bunch of models and build an army out of them and if you want to, paint them. And the painting it will get into is, is amazing. But the the... Just that base game seems really immediate, really smart, and changeable. Like, you Mm -hmm. saw, you played more than I did, but, like, it felt like you had a bunch of interesting kind of rule wrinkles that were were already, you know, two, three turns in, sort of bouncing off each other and creating interesting situations organically. Yeah, so so the basic premise of it is, is so you build a warband, not entirely dissimilar to the smaller Warhammer games, like something like uh, Kill Team. Kill Team. Or, yeah. Kill Team is probably what it's a little bit like in a little bit then more of the actual gameplay is closer to Warhammer Underworlds, which is probably the most slim Warhammer game that yeah. has ever been made. Um, and what you have is you have a central hero character, which is your captain, and they, in a similar way to Hearthstone, are if they die, it's the end of the game. But whereas in Hearthstone, that, that character is... You is you basically mm. right like those cards are attacking you this is a character on a board that is vulnerable to it's like attack. the king in chess yes yeah. yes yeah so Except you the king can like summon minions <laughs> <laughs> so basically then you have it's equivalent of this is why uh, like a halfstone is a very good thing because you then have basically what's your hand which is you've got this beautiful board that they've made kind of like a 3d board that's on on the thing and it doesn't look like importantly it doesn't look like it's a board at your house in the same way the no. tabletop thing it is a proper map it's just that the characters on it move like miniatures they wobble around almost like army men in toy story mm. do um and so you've got your hero character on the board and then imagine that there's a spaceship above you with people getting ready in escape pods to drop down and that's your hand so you go okay one of the characters is called stitchy mcpatchy who is your who is one of the medics in the game so you're like okay i'm going to bring stitchy down you play him like you would a half stone like a half stone card and he drops down onto the board and then he's re- well he's not quite ready like half stone you have to wait a turn for mm-hmm. that character to come in but it's that kind of like waiting a turn, deploying characters that creates this kind of multi-turn strategy. So, for example, um, one of the characters, a toxoid, is like a big dirty wasp that when it attacks you... Dirty wasp. Yeah, big dirty wasp. When it attacks you, it covers you in this poisonous gunk. Buzzing. Absolutely buzzing. He's, he's loving it. But it means that if you've got the toxic gunk on you next turn, you're going to die. 
So, for example, that happened to one of my characters. So I'm like, okay, I need to heal immediately. So you have a mana buildup, very much like mm-hmm. it's called Cinder in this. And so I've got enough kind of mana to get a character down. But they're obviously... So you bring Stitchy in to heal that character. But because basically they get stunned when they land and have to wait a turn. But my hero character has the ability to take away that stun. So you bring him down, you take away the stun, and then you can heal the other character, which now means I've got three people that are ready on the board to go next mm-hmm. turn. And the way that kind of like it brings in characters that are very much based around that forward thinking. So one of the characters, each time they get attacked, they grow larger and they get an extra point of damage that they can play. And so it's like, well, okay, I need to keep this character in the fight, right? Like each time they get attacked, I actually need to keep them on the front line to make sure they're being attacked. But I also need to make sure there's a medic there and I have enough cinder to be able to get them to cast their medic spells each time to keep them in the game. There's another character that has a similar sort of thing, but they grow over time. So you want to keep them on the back row away from the action and wait for them to grow into effectively a nuclear bomb, then bring them to the front line where they might at that point even be able to one-shot your hero character. And so it's thinking about all of those kind of turn-by-turn-by-turn strategies and learning how certain rules overlap with each other. And for a game that is effectively about characters that all they have is an attack value and a health value one maybe two skills each mm-hmm. and for those characters as indi- as very simple individuals to grow even with the space of only having like three characters on the board into multi-turn strategies i think is really really smart yeah. that's where the loot box problems come in isn't it if there are some figures that are just op and you just if you can't yeah. you know more hammer you you don't get me wrong. Uh, yeah, correct me if I'm wrong. There's no just loot, ham- uh, loot hammer, warhammer, mm-hmm. or loot boxes. You go into a shop with a question mark. And no, you no, get no, no, absolutely. You buy what you want, don't yeah. you? So. And it's, it's the case in in there. Is it like if you buy an OP unit, which there yeah. always is in Warhammer, but it's like a that thing you're buying it because you know it's OP. Yeah. But also there's points values that mean you can put that in your army, but you might only have like four other Space Marines that yeah. are in the army now. It's, it's based around that. Whereas you are going to take 10 models mm-hmm. onto the battlefield in, in Moonbreaker, and one of those could be what is OP. Yeah. They spoke very much like they're looking at ways of making sure that there's effectively not a meta. Yeah. And I can't remember the, the exact kind of strategy they had for making sure that didn't happen. No. But it is very difficult to not have a meta in a game that's about Absolutely. stats. Um, the game itself, don't get me wrong, sounds very fun. I'm, gonna, mm-hmm. I'm definitely going to give it a go. What we all want to know, though, Matt, is... How how good was that dry brush? The dry brush was good. I can tell you. <laughs> dry brush street food. <laughs> That's very, very nice. good. I like that. Mm. Go on. There's your username. <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, the painting system is like really immediately brilliant. And I so I am not even when I played Warhammer, I did not enjoy painting them very much. Mm. Um, but this is doing. It's a meant to be extremely analog. It's meant to feel like you're actually painting with different kinds of paints, different techniques. Um, you can't even, like, type in a hex code for a custom color. You have to mix your own palette. Okay. Like, get two colors, put them in a palette together and mix it up and then, like, use that, which I think is kind of amazing. Um, the only concessions it gives you is there is an undo button, which is great, and there's also an option to turn on, like, masking. So if you're painting, like, a coat, 
it's not going to go over the lines and start painting the person's face mm. or stuff like oh, that, okay. which is really good for someone like me who's yeah. like shaky and crap at keeping you in just the like, lines. Say you painted one and like a week later you're like, I'm bored. Like, can you just like wash all the paint off and do them again? Well, you, you can just start you could start again. You can make a whole separate paint job. You could copy your old one mm-hmm. and redo bits of it. Nice. You could take someone else's and redo theirs. So there are professionally painted model painters who have done a bunch of the designs. You can oh, okay. take those designs and redo them yourselves. Or like paint over them and add stuff. Um, you can add decals. Like you can do loads of little bits and pieces with them. And the immediacy of it is like Matt basically taught me like a fundamental sort of like here's the three stages to make something look quite detailed. And within minutes, I'd made like a guy who had like a face and hair that looked basically good. Um, and I was like. Shit, I could see myself turning yeah, on a podcast and doing this for a long time. That. Do you think eventually they'll let you do it to maps as well, like paint trees and buildings? That's I'd, a really interesting point. Yeah. I could see it. I'd like, I'd like to, because obviously it's in early access, and so the idea of early access, right, is to test the game with people and learn yeah. what can be built. And that's exactly how it's worth pointing. These guys made Subnautica before, a game that grew hugely it's a real over turn years. from that though isn't it oh yeah but i mean subnautica was from there because their previous game was a fps rts hybrid mm, so yeah. like they they they're a studio full of mad ideas but the idea of kind of like pushing that mode out to the idea while there's scenery in this game mode and you get to build your own scenery mm. like like we give you these pits and you decide what colors they are like the the concepts that it could go with i think are really very very cool for that yeah. but Certainly the the feeling of being able to apply what I know as painting theory to that painting system and see that it actually works. So like the basics that we used was is so you put down a base layer, so that's your first coat, and then you use a shade paint, which in real in reality a shade paint is very, very thin, so it goes into all the crevices to create mm-hmm. shading. And then you use a dry brush, which only hits the high points of the model. And you, you get use excited much... just saying dry brush. You, I your know. face lit up. It's because I love dry brushing. <laughs> the one thing you don't get from this is like there is a honestly a feel to dry brushing, mm. like like the mm. resistance of a very. Maybe you'll get that in the haptics though on controller. May... Well, it's only on PC, isn't it? Is so, it only yeah. for now? Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. PC and probably Mac as well, I think. One yeah. interesting thing they talked about is they'll support um, like proper pads, pa- like mm. tablets, oh, that's nice. and with like pressure sensitivity so mm-hmm. they'll work out how hard you're pressing and kind of adjust opacity based on that cool. which I think is very cool yeah. well it's only you can try it for yourself in four weeks it comes to early yeah. access I'd, even soon. before that they're going to do free weekends well there we go mm-hmm. get excited get hyped for Moonbreaker uh, you saw another little game a, a, a nice little indie oddity mm. um, called Dredge Dredge uh, Dredge looks really really nice it's like a little sort of cell shaded esque um, fisherman simulator uh, it starts off and you have a you have a shipwreck and you end up in this weird little town and they loan you a boat and they're basically like pay off your debt mm-hmm. by uh, going and fishing and you go out and you do a little mini game and you get some mackerel up and a bit of cod and you trade that in for uh, like for a bit of money and then you can go and get like new engines or a stronger fishing rod to get stronger stronger fish onto the board onto your board uh, and it's got like a Resident Evil style inventory Tetris so you're kind of constantly working to do that. It's got a day-night cycle, um, and you've got this element of, like, uh, if you stay out too long, your fish can start to rot, so they're worth less. And it's, so it's it's going for this, like, gentle fisherman vibe, but it's also, like, a really creepy Lovecraftian story at the same time. So you find out quite quickly that things aren't as they seem. If you go out at night, you start panicking and seeing, like, 
creepy shit in the water. There's like ravens who'll start following <clears throat> you around and stealing your fish. Um, everyone seems to have a have a bizarre agenda. And then you get this like storyline where you start fishing up like mutant fish. Um, there's like 128 species and each species has three different mutations or something. So there's fucking loads to find seemingly. Um, like proper catalogue scanning completionist you, stuff you to get into. You love that sort of thing. I love like completing a beastry. You yeah, love I that. love filling out a beastry. <laughs> like I spent probably a quarter of my time in Breath of the Wild just taking pictures of every item and <laughs> trying to make them look good. Um, and so it's got all of this stuff, but then you meet this character who gives you the titular dredging equipment, and then it's about going and finding like these shipwrecks that have magical items on them, going further afield, and there's like an open world with different biomes that have like seemingly like the obligatory kraken and like a big mutant shark and like actual almost seemingly boss battles or at least like threats that you can't fight and have to get away from and it just builds really elegantly so it's got all the compulsion of like a proper management sim where you're like accretion and expenditure and getting better and betting upgrading your stuff and like becoming more efficient but it's also got this like fucked up backstory behind it. You're like getting uh, like messages in bottles that speak about some more like doomed romance on the high seas due to some sort of madness and like oh it looks very I'm good. very into this. It sounds yeah. like my cup of tea. It comes out next year. It's got a really like good mix of relaxation and stress. Mm-hmm. I just think it looked great. Yeah. Um and I had the pleasure of like playing it while the game was being announced. Uh, on our stage mm-hmm. so like they all had a big round of applause while i was in there playing and it was like yeah we're doing oh, it lovely. um yeah it was great it was yeah. a really nice day nice. the thing that you mentioned in your preview that i just think sounds great is the concept of like you wanting to go mad because going mad <laughs> like opens up the possibility Joe always of wants things. to go mad yeah well yeah you can that's it like there's stuff you can only see when you're like at low sanity levels so and some of that stuff might be things you need to do like i'm pretty sure i was like hallucinating islands i couldn't normally see mm-hmm. um so it has like this weird sort of risk reward thing that is clearly going to lean into as the, as the game sound goes on a little on. bit like the lighthouse <laughs> yeah well, it's definitely got some of that vibe like it's less oblique like it's more nautical clear what's hallucinations. going on <laughs> But yeah, fucked up nautical stuff is in. <laughs> yeah, love it. Um, those are all games that are coming soon. There is a game you can play right now that came out this week if you have Game Pass and also on PC. Immortality, mm. the new game from Mr. Sam Barlow, creator of Her Story, which I think is absolutely fantastic, Telling Lies, which I'm a bit more lukewarm mm. on, and now Immortality, his third FMV game. Mm. I'm massively into this but also a little bit confused. <laughs> yeah. um, like, I've hit credits of this game about three hours in. That seems bizarre. Yeah. Some people have taken like 15, 20. Mm. I don't know if I'm just very good at it, but do I don't you know how like, you can be very good at this Do you game. feel like you know what the deal is? I know bits. Yeah, I, I definitely have worked out a lot of it, but I, I feel like I'm maybe missing something or people I've spoken to about this game are just more into it than me. I right. don't know. Um, the setting for this game is... You're kind of working out what happened to this actress, basically, who seemed to be in like three doomed productions. Yeah. Two in the late, well, one late 60s and uh, 1970, and one in the 90s. 99, I think. 99. Like, and these films were never released. They're like doomed production. Things things happened that went wrong. And you're basically, your job is similar to his other games, sift through all of this footage, all of these 
scenes and all this behind the scenes footage from these three productions to work out what has gone on here like what what is the deal with I think her name is uh, Marissa Marcel basically mm. the tagline is what happened to Marissa Marcel and you have to work this out and I feel like I have kind of worked that out I've I think there's over, there's a roughly just over 200 clips to find this game I hit credits after found about 120 so I've only found just over half but I have pieced together some stuff I found out what happened to some characters it's one of the I've been playing this like late at night headphones on and it has one of the like eeriest creepiest vibes to a game I've played a long it's time it's really voyeuristic yeah you you feel and there's those moments where people just look straight down the lens you're like you are looking right into my soul and <laughs> it feels really I don't know I know you've played like an hour roughly yeah you? I played the very start so I don't know like what you've seen yet but there's things that Everything is not as it seems, basically. You're not just watching this footage. For example, if you've never re-round a clip, you want to start rewinding some clips. Yes, And yeah. things... I don't want to give anything away. There's an element of intrigue in as much as um, you have clips that are appear to be just bits of film that have been mm. chopped out. But then you realise that they're pre-action and post-cut as well. So you start finding out, like the characters on screen and the characters off screen who are also on your screen and like working out the the differences between them what we haven't talked about is the the, the main investi- investigation mechanic in yes. this game whereas his others was typing in keywords and finding stuff based on transcript stuff in this you go into like an investigation mode and you can click on elements of the screen i don't know how they've programmed this it's no. fucking wild um so everything from a face that will take you to another clip with that face in it to like like a a mug or a hairbrush or a hat and it will take you to another scene not with that hat but with a hat Mm -hmm. and so you're starting to like it's taking those like verb choices from Mm -hmm. the old games and turning them into much more visual ideas and so you start going down rabbit holes of like well I'll I'll just keep clicking like a crucifix and going all the way down this rabbit hole and seeing where it takes me and that's the only means of unlocking stuff to go back to which I didn't realise at first because the first thing the game gives you is every single clip yeah but then it gets rid of them all and then deletes them all everyone starts in the same place which is like a TV interview with this Mm -hmm. actress and I'm kind of torn on this mechanic because I do think it makes it more accessible and like you don't have to think as hard compared to these other games but I also just feel like I played this game through just through trial and error pop yep. like just clicking on things i wasn't really thinking about well i want to find out what happens to this person so i'll click on this to see if it leads me here mm. like i was just kind of clicking willy-nilly watching clips and kind of piecing things together i don't there's a lot this has got ridiculously good reviews this game yeah. and i do think it's very good i'm not quite for me i'm not quite getting the 10 out of 10 masterpiece like mm. vibe to it but i do need to play it more because like i said i've only played three hours and i've hit the credits but not really worked out the full mystery but I do, like, one thing that is make or break for FMV games is the performances, and all the performances in this are very good. It's all very believable. They've The art styles they've chosen for, like, each film, like, you've got one that's, like, almost like an Argento, mm. like, Italian, like, almost, like, religious horror film. One is more almost like a Bob Fosse, like, all that jazz sort of okay. vibe to it. And then the nineties one's almost, I suppose, it's a bit like a Verhoeven film, a little bit. Mm. Um, they've all got distinct kind of creepy vibes to them they do a good job with work like not just in like setup and stuff like that Mm. but like the subtitles look different and stuff like that so you really have a sense of of where you're at in the timeline at any one time without having to like check dates and stuff like that as much there were bits where i was like i want to piece together this 99 film more they've basically written three films here as well which is mad and like 
Yeah, it was with Tom Swan. I was just clicking on person. Like, I want to find more best person. I was like, oh, back in 1968. <laughs> I don't want to be here. But yeah, I'm, I do want to play it more. Just, I think if you're into the tone of it and you're into film, you'll get a lot out of it. It's def- like all of his games, it's not going to be for everyone. But if you have Game Pass, I'd thoroughly recommend just at least playing a bit of it to see if you're into it. Yeah, because the mechanic's there from the start. Like, mm-hmm. it's very easy to see what it's going to do very yeah. quickly. Definitely. Uh, they, don't, they do put a content warning on the start. Definitely an 18, by the way. Mm-hmm. Like, there's, like, there's, there's all sorts going on there. And just the tone alone freaks me out. So, yeah. Big into that. Um, do you know what we're going to do here? We're going to play a quick little... Endless Search. Do we need to, before we get into the Endless Search, address the dragon in the room? We know House of Dragons has started. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have watched it, uh, but we're going to save talking about it for next week because Rings of Power will have started. Yeah, big by old that time fantasy well. special next week. Yeah, we'll do like what's going on with all the dragons. Yeah, we'll <laughs> next get into week. that. Uh, yeah. For the record, I actually won't be on next week, but I'll say first two episodes of House of Dragon, I enjoyed very much. Mm. So there you go. There's my input. Now, it's time for the endless search. Inside, it's a UK IGN crew. Shit. Yeah, yeah, and ones and twos. We got the games gonna play for you. Inside, I got a question for you. Hold tight, the DJ, we're coming through. Yeah, yeah, and ones and twos. We got the games gonna play for you. Inside, I got a question for you. It's the endless search. We're gonna play. Film Stat Showdown. I don't believe either of you have played this. No. We played it a few weeks ago. It was sent in from a kind listener who I've forgotten the name of, and I do apologise. I think it might have been Jack. If it was you, Jack, congrats. We're playing it again. If it wasn't, bask in your unearned glory. (laughs) There's five different categories we're going to do here. Basically, the idea is they're all IMDb-based questions, and you have to get the closest. Whoever out of you two gets the closest to each of these categories wins the point. So... We'll just, it becomes very apparent if you haven't worked it out from that. I'm just going to open up IMDb because I need that in order to do this game. Okay. Um, but your first question you can think about is, I want you to give me a film that is as close to running to two hours and 30 minutes as you can. Two hours 30? Yes. Three zero. Yes. 150 minutes. Uh, what are you thinking? That's a lot. Of, it's a longish mm. film, not super long. Um bordering on a toilet break film mm. Mm. but yeah I'm going to say that uh, for this one uh, Joe you can go first um, what are you I'm going to say seven. seven David Fincher's Seven the film Seven what are you going to go for Matthew? I'm going to go for Batman Begins Batman Ooh, that does feel beginneth. like a two and a half doesn't it? Batman Begineth um, Seven two hours seven yeah thought it might be a little shorter Batman Begins, two hours twenty. Oh, Ooh, good work! Close. What a delight! Already Ooh. into this game. Like One it. point to Matthew. You did so many bits of typing there that it looked <laughs> like you were literally writing out the words. One point to Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> Question two. I want you to pick the closest you can to a film that is. In the hundred on IMDb's top two fifty. Oh, but closest to, to number one. Sorry, yeah, the closest to number one hundred on IMDb's top two fifty. That's a fucker. It's going to be a very good film. Yeah, but it's it's not going to be the best film, is it? It's not for me to say, is it? 
I mean, I know that, you know, kind of like everybody, everybody's film is not going to be the same as the IMDb, yeah. but it's 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 like a good film, but maybe a film that you don't usually think about. I don't know, yeah, but if you think the top 100 films of all time, it's still very good films, I though, know, isn't yeah. it? Okay. I don't know, Matt, you go first this time. I'm going to go Forrest Gump. Oh. Joe Scrabbles. I'm going to go King of Comedy. Forrest Gump. Number 11. Oh, is it? That's absurd. I mean, High. it's it's a it's very a nice enjoyable film. film. But some people really hate that film. I don't. Know. Yeah, it's no, not. It's, it's I don't hate it, but it's not the eleventh best not the 11th film of all best. time. It's not. it's not. Sorry, what was yours? King of Comedy. King of Comedy. Duh, duh, duh. It's not even in the top two fifty. What? I thought mid-tier Scorsese would be a hundred percent in that. It's area. a weird list, but that does mean Matt wins by default. <laughs> Fuck's sake! Do you know what the hundredth? And you did say it's not the greatest film of all time. Some people think it is. Vertigo is at number hundred. <laughs> really? I would have thought that would have been like in the top forty. Yeah. yeah well, there well, you go. Unfortunately, Forrest Gump just such a superior <laughs> film to Vertigo. Yeah. Matt has one there with. I think we'd all agree. A still a poor effort. Is, um, co- is, is the colour of money on that list? Oh, I'm going to go through every school. I just want to know, because that was my other choice. The, 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 no, it isn't. Okay, it's fine then. Uh, it's just a stupid list. Yeah, it's not. I'm not I didn't make it. I know. Uh, <laughs> I want you to a film that came out in the UK as close to January 1st, 2000, the first day of the new millennium. Y2K, Millennium mm-hmm. Bug, everything was going wrong. <laughs> But what film came out? I don't know if there was a film that came out on New Year's Day, but uh, it definitely will have been. Would there? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I'm trying to even find out where I found the release. I've asked this question. I don't even know where the. Oh yeah, there we go. <sighs> this is a fucker. It's close to New Year's Day, two thousand. January first, two thousand. Okay. Joe Scrabbles. I think I'm just going to go for one I know was mid ninety nine. Oh, and, uh, okay. and just kind of hedge my bet. bet. Yeah, okay. I'm going to go The Matrix. The Matrix. I think that was June or July 1999. It came out in the UK in, yeah, 11th of June. 9th, uh, I shouldn't know. I've given it a clue, but you kind of knew it. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What are you going for, Matt? I'm also going down a similar path. Ooh. I'm going to say Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Ooh. That's insane that they were around the same time. <laughs> Which I think might have been Christmas. I think most that's of them were in the sh- summer, a, but... That's a good shout, Christmas Eve. So it was June 11th, 99 for The Matrix. Yeah. So we need later than June 11th. I think you've got that. July 15th. Yeah. Not by much, but it is a point. Good work. 3-0 to Matt. He has already won, but there's still mm. pride to play for When here. did the Santa Claus come out? Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> no one's... Probably at Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if I said <laughs> I think that might be weirdly old. The Santa... Yes, 1994. Yeah, that's mad, but isn't it? When, it when was like Ants? Because that's the oh, other one I got. <laughs> <laughs> like, go through every fucking film. Yeah, yeah. it's That's 98. Oh, was it 98? Oh, yeah. Why didn't you choose Ants, you little prick? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, three now. But I still, I still. Play, I'm losing play this much, and I still love this game. Oh, it's, you know that's a sign of a good game. It is. I'm in a film that has as close to a hundred forty million dollar budget. Oh, budget? Yeah, not gross budget. I don't know how much anything costs. This is gonna be fun then. It is Matt to go first million. on that. It's a lot of money, that, isn't it? Yeah, but it's... The problem but it's is, not. is the Avengers came along and ruined this, yeah. didn't they? Now everything's 200 million. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say... Whew. 
Dark Knight? The Dark Knight. Budget. I have a feeling, though, that it was like 180. If I was to guess, I would say that would be more, quite a bit more. But uh, what do I know? What are you going for? I don't fucking know. What are you, uh, what are you going for? <laughs> what's, a, what's a big, loud one? A big, loud one? Show me a big, loud Doesn't have one. To, yeah, I don't know. I'm not going to give any hints. What about... I also don't want to pick something just obvious. Mm. It'll be fun. Like the Santa Claus? Yeah, like the Santa Claus. <laughs> uh... <laughs> what about Sing 2? Sing <laughs> 2. Intre- I mean, the people that are in that film might have yeah. cost a lot of money. Uh, 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 uh. Okay. Um, Is The Dark Knight like 184? It's 185. That's yeah, it. wild. I had a feeling I'd lowballed it. Someone's on their research. Uh, <laughs> that means you're 45 million off, but that's not bad. The Dark Knight, 185 million. Sing 2, 85 million. <sighs> which means, sadly, doing my maths, yeah, you've lost. Yeah. yeah. That's fine. That's fine. It's 4 0. There's still time. I thought that, yeah, because I thought Sing 1, lower. Mm-hmm. I thought Sing 2, once you get in. Do you want me to let you know what the budget for Sing 1 was? Yeah, you can if you want. Just to put your mind at rest. I'm not that bothered, but... <laughs> Everyone is crying out to know the budget of Sing. Everyone needs to know. 75 million cheaper. Mm. Well, that's what I thought. Yeah, there we go. Uh, the last one, to save some face. I don't mind if I don't save my face. Take this it one, off. Simple. Closest to an 8.5 rating on IMDb. A user rating. Yeah, and it is you to go first. 8.5. Five. You can never, as we know in the previous other games, you can never trust the public. <laughs> Whiplash. I feel Ooh. like that's going to be higher. Oh, I don't know. Whiplash. Matthew. So what I'm going to go with is knowing the sort of people that would push <laughs> things up on yeah. IMDb. Oh, okay. Now, going back just like a couple of years, Joker, we know critically sort of split, but people really fucking like that they liked being shown that society was bad i did i think joker's brilliant yeah but people pushed it up people yeah. really wanted joker yeah well there we go whiplash 8.5 exactly Ooh! that's an, and no bonus points i'm sorry come on Actually, you should get two points you should if you get bang on i think you should get two points joker 8.4 oh good shout very good shout joe takes i'm gonna give you two points for being spot thanks mate <laughs> 4-2. That makes it sound much better for you there. Yeah. Yeah. I did have a tiebreaker, which is going to be something to do with Simon DB, but we don't need it. So <laughs> no. There good. We go. Yeah. No ego boosts for you. Yeah. Well, I don't know. <laughs> there you go. Good game, fun game, quick game, enjoyable. Why don't we go through some feedback? Matt? I've got one here from Dan from Bletchley. Is that where Bletchley Park is? I don't know. I don't know if it's a separate place or not. Who knows? Anyway. Says hello. It's an enigma. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Long time listener and a couple of times writer in thing. I write to you about your smashing coverage of Gamescom. Thank oh, you very yeah, much. Thank you. Uh, I'm 43 and been gaming since the late 80s. I'm still very much into video games and have a PS5 and a Switch. My opinion of Gamescom is that some of the most interesting new games are indie in inverted commas. Or triple uh, or double A games. I'm currently playing Arcade Heaven and Cult of the Lamb. What's always drawn my what has always drawn my disappointment though is the games are always revealed too soon. Most of the games I'm interested in are due in 2023. I want them now, damn it! 
I get that the devs and publishers want to get on the hype train, want to get the hype train on a roll and get the pre-orders on the go, but I miss the time long gone ago where games would be announced and they would be available to buy right now or very soon afterwards. I feel that keeping the games under wraps until launch day would reduce the pressure of crunch too. What are your opinions? I command the discuss. <laughs> kind regards from Dan. I, I don't actually remember an era when things were announced and they came out. Maybe um, I'm wrong. Certainly not in my time of like actually like looking mm. after game news. The quickest and stuff ones like that. I can remember, like yeah, Fallout Four was five six months. Mm-hmm. I actually think like we've restrained ourselves. I say we. The games industry has restrained itself. I can remember there being like Sony showcases where it's like you're not going to get these for like two years. Never mind, yeah. kind of like eight months. Yeah, it's. I don't know. I don't. When in the modern era has this happened? Very often, mm. like a right now or a out soon. It just. I think your point about like reduce the pressure of crunch. I don't think it reduces the pressure on developers to crunch. And That's, frankly, I think you get into a position where games might more underperform because they haven't had enough exposure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I know people who are kind of semi-interested in games who are only just finding out about stuff like Skull and Bones mm-hmm. or, like, I have a friend who started Elden Ring because he saw it on the side of a bus, not because anyone was talking about it in yeah. his life. Like, that kind of thing is way more... I think it's actually more important to the games than you think. Um, yeah. And yes, I agree, having to wait for stuff sucks. But I, mean, I think it is ultimately. I think we, a good thing. yeah, we have definitely gone better. That even like a couple of games we talked about, Moonbreaker announced last week out in a month. Dead Island Two announced last week out in six months. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, well, announced eight years ago. Yeah. I think yeah, <laughs> doesn't quite work. I think to be quite honest, like a lot of the stuff that we saw at the show or that has been announced kind of this year is coming out next year, which mm-hmm. largely you're looking at kind of like a twelve to eighteen month kind of like yeah. from announced to coming out, which. I guess it's one of these things that when you work in the industry or at least follow it, like as I did before yeah. I worked in it, that doesn't feel like it's a long time. And especially when you see lots yeah. of preview coverage and stuff, you're like, oh, I just want to play it now. Yeah. But it's not that long. Whereas we have sat around waiting five, six years for games to come out. Well, look at Nintendo. Yeah. We're still like Metroid Prime 4, Breath of the Wild 2, mm-hmm. Pikmin 3, which was apparently close to completion in 2017. <laughs> like, oh, sorry, Pikmin 4. Mm-hmm. Um, like... We, I think we had a real rash of stuff where it was just like, get a fucking teaser image out yeah. and don't tell anyone anything. But we are more aligned with film now because rarely do you hear a film more than two years before yeah. it's... Mm. That, well, they Top take gun, less but, time to make, yeah. don't they, really? But yeah, I, feel, I don't feel we're in a bad place for that at the moment. I totally agree on having to wait for stuff. I don't like waiting for things oh, I'm no. excited for, but no. I think it's ultimately a good thing. Yeah, love it. Uh, I've got... You love it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've gone all the way around. I'm a patient, patient man. <laughs> yeah. um, I've got an email here from George Chase. He says, I have two places. This is um, linked to our Predator chat from a mm. few weeks ago where I just wanted you to write in uh, IGN underscore UK feedback at IGN.com if you've got anything to say about where we'd like to see a Predator film be set. George has got two suggestions here. First one, this will be... Oh, this would have been better for next week. First one is Westeros, but he's at Castle Black... And the surrounding area, so like the town that's near it, and a little bit north of the wall, he's he's taken over a little a little area. Predator versus white, <laughs> like the the, the riders, wa- the White Walkers. That's what that would called. be fun. Um, predator versus dragons, be good. Um, put Predator in Reign of Fire. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> Christian Bale versus dragons versus Predator. Yeah. Um, basically, there's Jon Snow, Arya Stark, Tormund, Ghost the Hound. Tyrion, Bronn, Melisandre, just all going up against the Predator. Game of Thrones versus Predator. 
I think Predator will probably win just tech-wise. I'd quite like to see Predator just fuck up Bron. That would be great. <laughs> Had enough of Bron. Yeah. Um, a dragon, though, would be a fairer fight, I think. Um, the second one for Predator is just face off against Craven the Hunter. That's got to have happened. I mean, Batman's definitely. Batman's happened. fought the Predator. Yeah. yeah. I've seen, I've read that. Yeah, I've read it. Yeah. Craven the Hunter? I don't know. I read They're it. both hunters. I read that in a library in Stevenage when who? I was too young for it. Huh? Yeah, who would hunt who, though? Uh, well, they'd hunt each other and just bump heads mm. Then become best friends There we go uh, I believe you have a lovely story to read out next This is from Kev Good day IGN UK podcast team Hope the guys that went to Germany enjoyed the trip oh, As yeah. well as the games This uh, podcast stands as testament to that I've taken home several Ritter sports I only uh, had the self-restraint to only eat two so far. I absolutely fucked up a yoghurt Ritter sport yesterday <laughs> Uh, this is my first time writing in and I just want to say that the podcast is fantastic and is a massive help when working from home I'm glad now to the point power wash simulator yes fucking power wash simulator I blame Cardi for this and only Cardi I laughed as I loaded up the game initially thinking it would be another game pass game I play for 10 to 15 minutes and never play again I was wrong (laughs) so very wrong After hours of washing everything on screen, I started to receive messages from my online friends. Are you okay? Do you need someone to talk to? Has Danielle left you? One of my close friends, also a massive gamer, took the absolute piss for days telling me how shit the game looked and asking me if my virginity had grown back. Wrong. I I reminded him that I played Marvel Puzzle Quest years back for hundreds of hours. If there was any time for it to grow back, this would have been it. I don't like the idea of it growing. I don't know what the growing back is. Yeah, like it's a growth. Did something happen to you when you lost your virginity? <laughs> anyway, skip forward a week and he's downloaded it and washed the company van and then he was hooked. Now we're discussing opening our own power wash business. <laughs> we could design our own website and use the before and after photos from the game as previous job examples. People will be amazed by our playground <laughs> job. Walking away, Walk away from the joke, reader. In all seriousness, Power Wash Simulator isn't a great game. Ooh. Uh, it is, but in the great, but in the current cycle of remakes, microtransactions, and pointless grinds, it's something different and satisfying. After hours of playing with my mate, I received a gift in the post from him. I don't think he was joking about the power wash business. See attached, he's included a very fetching picture of himself with an all-over boiler seat with a hood. <laughs> And this brings me on to my question. Have you had any games that you've played in the past and been abused for, for those very same people to end up playing and liking the game as much or more than you do? I wish you all the best, and remember to respect the motherfucking sea. Have I ever been, yeah, Kev. Avengers, but then no one actually followed me to play it? Uh, uh, I don't know. Is there well, I played a bit of Avengers, but you, yeah. no, you, no one played it more than you. <laughs> in the world. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Have you ever been embarrassed? Like, I suppose, yeah, have you ever been... Well, again, Dynasty Warriors is the thing people make fun of me for, mm. but no one plays it. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think, yeah, is there something like that? Mm. Mm, I don't know. I don't know what sort of game that would really be, apart from Power Wash. Yeah. yeah. It's a good question to ask other people, though. Yeah. IGN underscore UK feedback at IGN.com. Basically, yeah, have you ever been guilt-tripped? Have you ever corrupted a friend? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the friend corruption special coming yeah. Christmas. There we go. Love it. This was pleasant actually doing this in person, wasn't it? And not on a roof. It's quite warm in here, though. It's it? quite warm. We've got uh, some salads and wraps weighing outside for Ooh, us. Mama. Fresh Ooh. cold salad to rub over my body. <laughs> Is that how you eat salad? <laughs> Could be. Let's Ooh. find out. Have you ever bathed in leaves? No. Mm-hmm. No. I mean, I, I've done. What do you mean? I've done snow have... angels in autumn leaves. That's like bathing oh, in leaves. So, but yeah. were you nude? 
Probably. Oh. Okay. <laughs> well, we're going to go smother ourselves in Caesar salad dressing, um, balsamic vinegar, and ranch, I believe you've got. I've got a ranch, yeah. Yeah, lovely. Um, I'll bring the Doritos, and we can have a good old dip in you. <laughs> Please do. Uh, what music should we have? What have we got? Uh, mm, I didn't thought about it. What have, <laughs> what have we got? Uh, something from Sing To. <laughs> I don't even know a single song in Well, Sing you're to. about to. Oh, what about that horrible David Bowie song from the end of Seven? <laughs> or just the intro, uh, the Nine Inch Nails uh, Closer. Yeah. Yeah, let's bring. That's the, better than something from Sing To, probably, isn't it? It might be in Sing To, you don't know. Well, Closer by Nine Inch Nails. It's all about animals. They might be fucking each other. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, God. That was enjoyable. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.